When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Cott and I'm delighted to be joined on another pod by Record Sports Craig Swan and Graham Young. Guys, how are you? Good, Daniel. How are you? I'm all good, thanks. I'm all good. This is my, my favourite time of the week, talking all things Celtic, so I couldn't be better. Graham, yourself? Yeah, very well, mate. I'm glad to be on, so I've to talk about at least. There is indeed. And I think the best place for us to start, we're obviously recording on Thursday, uh, is it Fur Park, Motherwell? Um, Celtic, obviously a bit of a narrow win, but the gap stays at, at seven points and, you know, can't really ask for much more than that. I think it was one of those nights, Daniel, that you marked down at the end of the season as, as, as a functional evening and crucial to, if any team wins a league, that's one of the nights where it tends to, it tends to be done. Uh, mm-hmm. The football didn't flow. Uh, the first person I know was Ange Postecoglou after the game. He called it a grind. Um, I think that was fair enough. I think anybody I was there, I think anybody that watched it would, would know Celtic didn't hit their free-flowing best, but they just have an ability to, regardless of how they're playing, find a way, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, there was a couple of um, contentious points came throughout the game surrounding VAR. Um, yeah. What did you mean? I mean, obviously, I mean, to start with, the Jota go. I mean, it's just onside. Um, I think we can, I think we can, No, I think I think the issue to me the, the, is the is the VAR camera angle on the left side of the halfway line. I understand that. Now that is an issue where there's less um, cameras at non-sky games for VAR. Uh, and I can understand that issue because when you look at it from the far away, the joke is it's from the pie stand, it's so far away that you don't give fans, if there's going to be an offside call, it needs to be definitive and that is open to interpretation. The closer up that BBC used in the SKF footage appears to show Jot at least edging forward, so it's it's pretty close. I think that's the argument there, much like the Tierney one, um, well, it's an arm and a, a foot kind of in line. So. I think that's been the issue, or is the issue there? I think the stance belt one potentially uh, tackle. I can understand. I can understand that completely. Um, to me, that fits the criteria of a potential red card. And those, especially when you look at one that's been recently, St. Johnson last night. I think arguably it's more of a football move. This St. Johnson one, where that's just a regular challenge. But I think the, the, the overriding feeling for me amongst punters is when you're getting a definitive, the whole point of video replay, they offer absolute certainty. And I think when you're getting a camera angle on the wrong side of the pitch, um, I think that's hard for supporters to stomach at times. And I think that's um, something that's got to keep going unless an extra commitment's made for more cameras at non-Sky games. just gives punters more... Um, uh, more angles, maybe that would open up a bigger debate, but I think that's the kind of overriding issue uh, coming away for last night with the Jota incident or the Jota non-goal. 
I tend to agree with that, Graham. I have to say that, unfortunately, due to finance, whatever the reasons, we are starting off with VAR with a Fisher Price model. Um, we don't have the full kit and caboodle, and it's there for clearing obvious mistakes and clearing obvious things to be overturned. I'm not sure any of them were clearing totally clearing obvious. I get the arguments for the Starfelt challenge. I get the arguments for the offside, but I don't think any of them were clear and obvious. Um, I'm, on Starfelt challenge, I was at the game. It's one of them. You, you, you start to see replays, and it looks like I was at the game. I didn't see Celtic players going crazy. It was a bad tackle. It was one of them where you hear, "Ooh, the crowd go." And at the time. You're looking for Celtic players to go crazy if, if that's really, really bad. And they kind of didn't. You see, well, I call them that yellow card there and they kind of go on. I know that's the Celtic players' way. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been a red card. Just my point is, sometimes when you see things more and more, the more you look at them, the worse they look. At the time, it looked like a yellow and a half to me. Um, as regards to the offside, as Graham says, it's clear and it has to be clear and obvious. Um, you would hope that you would hope that when we got the technology introduced that it would have been, you know, pristine, you know, the real the real deal, taking all doubt out of the way like the English one does where it's millimetres, but we just don't have it, unfortunately, which comes back to that you bring in something half-baked, you know, do you, bring, do you wait until you've got the full package? If you don't have the full package, don't bring it at all, because the idea was it was supposed to stop arguments, to be honest, it's caused even more. That's what I was going to say, it's almost more um, frustrating, you know, when you see the, the kind of wrong decision, even if it's not clear and obvious, when we've got the, the, the cameras now, you know? I don't yeah, know. Chris, to be fair, Chris said this in his record problem, he said that, guys, when VAR comes in, it's only going to cause more arguments. It's just going to cause more arguments and more people finger pointing. And that is already starting to happen. I mean, there has been some... I mean, it, his point was, and he's bang on as, as sort of usually is, it's one man's interpretation. So so at the end of the day, one man's interpretation of a handball rule. I mean, we've seen some weird ones in the Celtic game so far. Mm-hmm. Ones that you think, well, fair enough, that's not a handball because it wasn't his fault and there's was, was nothing he could do about it. And then you see one like Ant at Tynecastle, and then you see one well, against Burnley for the United, the United, and he doesn't know what's happening with that one. It just comes down to interpretation. And while we've got interpretation with anything, there's going to be arguments. Yeah, there was one at Ibrooks last night as well with, um, I think it was Ben Davies. And it just looks like a stick on penalty. His hand's up at his head. Um, and and the end with the famous one, maybe not the Celtic podcast, the right place to plead. There's an angle. <laughs> True. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, I think there's an argument that maybe Davies hits his face and it wasps off his hand. Then again, you're like, but that's. Handball become pretty open and shut in terms of recent weeks since the Michael Smith incident. So again, it's yeah. funny to echo what Chris Sutton said as well that we are where we are, and if it's not the the absolute forensic bar that you get maybe in the Champions League, and that's going up a level with the um, automated offside as well. So I think we're, I think we really are the poor relation at present. Um, and there's these three, but this is going to be a weekly occurrence as we know. It's been a weekly occurrence already, but. After the World Cup, it's going to only ramp up as well as the season moves on the line. Can I just say two, th- two things on this? Was one, I hope that the listen there was, was going to be teething problems. I know it's a phrase that's been used a lot, but you would hope that the World Cup break will give everybody a chance to sit down. And I actually thought 
as much as I'll probably get harangued for this, I thought it worked quite well with Willie Collin last night. Whether you thought the decisions were right or wrong, it was done a lot faster last night. It wasn't that last Saturday in the Dundee game was delays and then the referees running over to the screen and it's taking forever. I feel last night it was done a bit quicker, whether you thought it was right or wrong, which can only be encouraging. My biggest bugbear in the full thing is we're always trying to, and I know we want correct decisions. That's what we want. We've always wanted that. My biggest bugbear is I feel like the people, the guys and girls who shell out their cash week in, week out are getting changed again. I was at the game last night working at a job. I was fortunate. I was at the People paid 30, 35 quid for a ticket. They're the last people to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's not on screens. They'll probably get people texting them from the house watching them. Oh, the guys in games who pay again at the football are the last people to know. They don't. They, the game gets stopped and they don't know what it's going to stop for. They don't know what's been checked. They don't know what. That frustrates me. I've often felt that the paying customer is always last in line when it comes to you know, if you, if you don't bother going to a game, you watch it on Sky, you get to hear the manager speak 10 minutes before kickoff. I know I'm off on a tangent here, by the way, but if you listen to the radio, you get to hear both managers half an hour before. What do people get going to the games get? Okay, Anthony, you don't get to hear that. I, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't like the way people inside stadiums are always, they're always last. But I know that's the, I know you can't help that with VAR and everybody needs big jumbotrons to show every single decision, but it's just something that annoys me. People sitting about grounds over the last two or three weeks, games I've been out looking at each other and they don't know what's going on. That's not right. That's a fair point. Uh, just before we move on from the Motherwell game, guys, I wanted to um, bring up some of Angie's comments post-match, particularly on Dyson Maida. Because um, I definitely I feel like he's became I don't know if a weapon boy is the right expression, but he's definitely taken a bit of stick from Celtic fans. I thought it was really good to see him get what turned out to be the eventual winner last night. And after the game, I just described him as immense. And I think his work rate kind of goes unnoticed a wee bit at times. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. I think the problem with my either was the the kind of signature misses in the Champions League and. Um, that he is, he brings what he brings, and the reason why he's in the Japan squad has been outlined. He's the, the great press and the great tracking back, but he is effective as well. I, I felt even in the, the second home game off the bench, he was he was really good. Hearts the same. Um, he's not going to beat you. I think that I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times. It's because he's so quick in the press. You assume he's going to be able to just knock it past the player, but his speed doesn't quite work like that. So there's maybe a frustration there. But he's he's work rate application. Top notch, and that that one last night. Those are the type of I know. He, I know he doesn't always score, but the way Celtic play, whether it be O'Reilly or Turnbull playing those rating passes to midfield, he's such a threat. Um, that's a kind of textbook made a goal last night as well, and you can obviously see what he brings us. Celtic, I get another thing I mentioned before, but you do see it, they have got a Manchester City element to them in the sense that. It's not always the same players. You know what Man City are like? Suddenly, Mares is back in form and someone else is on a tear. Celtic have got the type of players that are like that. Abada could maybe score five and six games, goes quiet, Maeda comes back strong. That's the real strength of what Celtic are about with Jota, Aksabanovic. And uh, Maeda, obviously, I know he had a really tough run in the Champions League. The Madrid missed Shakhtar miss, and I think he'd won against Leipzig as well. But I just think you've seen games like this, as Bonnie alluded to, it was a bit of a grind, as Ange says. He's just got this real good work ethic, brings a bit of pace off the bench and he can score a goal with that. I think he's a really decent 
as we know at this point, he's, I think Kyogo brings a, a flair element up front and obviously with the Japan emission for him, uh, some maybe would have Kyogo in the squad in mind, no, but you can see the value he brings, especially at international level and Celtic obviously in Europe. I think um, finally as well, Celtic were in the Europa League, dropped down. Um, again, you'd see like just the value of that kind of pressing against a team that isn't able to break lines the way they did a Leipzig. Like, a guy like Maeda is invaluable. Big games against maybe Ibrooks. I'd imagine he's a stick-on starter as well. So I'm actually quite a quite a fan. I think he's a really uh, decent option. While there's not always the kind of end product in every match. Mm-hmm. And and Swanee, uh, Graham mentions the the Japan World Cup squad there. I, I oh, I'm not a a Japanese football expert, but to leave Kyogo and Hatati out, man must have some team. I think Ange Postacoglu probably summed it up the best. I'll I'll give you a good example. Um, you would, if you had been dropped down from the moon and you'd been told Greg Taylor had only had X amount of caps, you would go, why he only had that many caps? But you know why? Because of the competition that he's got at left back, mm-hmm. and Andy Robertson and Keenan Tierney and. Ange Postecoglou said that a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about Hitati and when he was talking about international football in general. He said that it's not just the individual themselves. It might be what fits the squad, how many players they have in that certain position. It's more than just the player himself. Now, what I will say is I would probably put that more... From everything I can gather, I'm like you boys. I'm, I wouldn't be an expert on the every member of the Japanese squad and, and the French players and who could be in. I think Kadati had a, had a far tougher uh, job and the fact he hadn't, he hadn't really played much for the senior team. The, the, the vibe that seems to be coming from Japan is the Kyogo one, the guys that are getting picked ahead of him don't really have a mighty track record. And, uh, and, and in some cases, one that's been called up almost seems a bit of an office. So again, that one would seem maybe more strange than maybe Hitati because they appear to have a kind of set of midfield for what I can gather. But I think it comes back to what Ange Postecoglou says and, and, the, and the example of Greg Taylor. It, it can just be who you've got. I mean, if, if you have a backup striker for Sweden behind Zlatan Ibrahimovic, how many caps would you have? <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Um, and I think it's obviously, it's worth saying as well, Graham, that another talking point from this week has been around international football and Steve Clark and the Celtic players not being released for the, the friendly against Turkey. Um do you, do you think Celtic are in the right to keep the players for the, the Sydney Super Cup? Uh, yes, because, and I think the, the reasons outlined, I think that disappointments, fair enough, and I, I thought he made a couple of, he doubled down a couple of times saying, listen, I'm not looking to fight anyone, he's obviously disappointed. Uh, but in this occasion, in a non-sanctioned international week, Celtic did what they should do as a club out with the top five leagues, planned ahead, um, cashed in in a way in the fact that they've got a revered Australian manager so they head down under obviously originally maybe to play Rangers in the Sydney Super Cup it's long term planning uh, you understand exactly why they're, they're wanting their best players over there uh, for potential future visits as well you don't want to go over there with a skeleton squad and it doesn't work and that you, I get every, I do get all points of view on it but I can understand exactly why Celtic are taking the stands and I think uh, Ange Postecoglou was genuinely sympathetic to Steve Clark. He's a previous international manager himself. Uh, but a, a late fixture arranged with Turkey, I know it's a gap in the World Cup zone, and, but I think in this occasion, I, I can see why Clark feels the way he does, but I can definitely see why Celtic are doing what they need to do. Uh, to me, it makes sense from their point of view. 
Yeah, I agree with you there, Young. I think I don't, I don't think any of them are in the wrong. I think both of them are right to think and feel the way they do it. And they've both said the right things. And they've, both, they've both been good about it. And I think it's been it, it's been very good. Um, the only people, the only people, I know they're an easy kick. FIFA and UEFA are always an easy kick, but FIFA have to be the only organisation in the world that could stop club football across the board for five weeks for an international tournament, yet not decree a part of it an international window. <laughs> That's a good point. That's quite remarkable. It does it does it does smack of uh, them. To be fair. We're only interested in the World Cup teams or countries, and the rest of you can go sing. If you're not part of our big party, we're not really going. That's a bad thing. That's a bad vibe. Aye. Um, and we've obviously Celtic have got one more game before they head off down under at Ross County on Saturday. Um, you'd imagine, obviously, Celtic would be favourites to win that. But, Swanee, the Sydney Cup itself, I mean, I'm just certainly taking it very, very seriously. I think you would do. I think um, I think it's generally now accepted that Ange Postecoglou would be seen as the best coach that Australia has ever produced, um, and he's what he's doing over there at Celtic and in Europe and being in the Champions League being noted. You're Ange Postecoglou. You don't want to take your glittering team back home to your homeland to get done by Sydney FC. They, with the greatest of respect, you want them to go and put on a show. So I'm pretty sure he is taking it very seriously. They want some of good results and perform well. There's a lot of Celtic supporters down in Australia as well. They're paying out good money to come and see the game. They want to put on a show for them as well. I know, I know, Graham. It's, it's kind of a lot of die-hard fans over here, you know, rally against these sort of, you know, big money friendlies, you know, for, for no, you know, kind of pointless games. But I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a really kind of cool occasion and you know, fun to watch. Definitely, to be fair to Celtic as well, definitely the front foot with that. Like the window they've chosen for this is a lot of teams have got training camps to come after Celtic. I think go to Portugal in December. I think maybe a friendly tenth of December as well. But this is very much its own thing. Players they, they know that obviously in international that came late the decision. But as Swanee touched on, punters want to see this. This is serious for Ange. Like he is. It's not. There's there's benefits for Celtic as well. Like. It's not European football, but it's camps, it's training, what you put in big crowds. And the, st- the stadium, actually, just a note, this Allian Stadium, they're playing Sydney, and it's one of these funky, funky stadiums. Uh, just, just built, looks really cool, pretty compact, it'll be a really big crowd. Um, it's got all the makings of what, it's got more than just a, a typical summer tour. I made this point um, in an article recently that these friendlies that have come up, it's very much a case of, um, normally you're used to a load of new signings, it's not the case. Pre-season by nature, you're going to be like eight new players all bedding in, but this is Celtic's first team going away to show who they are on the back of a first Champions League game in five, uh, campaign in five years. So I think I, I, I agree with both of you. There's a real, um, I wouldn't say an edge, but I think they'll want to go there and do well. And I think um, I think it'll be, I think the games will be pretty decent. Storylines will be pretty good with Ange been home and he's got a couple of questions and answer nights. The whole thing seems uh, kind of geared for plenty of entertainment so um aye especially and it t- ties in nicely Sunday morning Celtic and then you've got the start of the World Cup that night as well. So as much as it feels the landscape shifting this year, there's still plenty to keep um viewers and um, readers entertained anyway. The uh, I, I watched Daniel, Daniel hang on go ahead, uh, hang on. There's, I'm just awaiting there's a VAR check on at the moment for 
a potential red card for Youngie's use of the phrase "funky stadium." <laughs> <laughs> but you use bad vibe yeah, earlier. Hang on, I've not worked with it. It's definitely a red card. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think you. I think you'll change your mind when you Google it after you finish. Mate. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. So we'll we'll look forward to it. Yeah, I've watched. What I was going to say is I've watched a wee bit of um, Everton recently, and if I think when Celtic play Everton out there, I, I think Celtic fully, you know, taking a really strong squad now, really going for it. I think they could really give Everton a, a bit of a doing. Well, that, I think I know it's bold. I know it's really bold, but basically with Martin O'Neill's teams, that was the kind of the hallmark that Martin O'Neill with pre Champions League used to play teams like Fulham and QPR, Leeds United, and Man United. All these testimonial games, and that was a marker for Celtic. And probably to be fair, I think Everton will be relatively strong in terms of the World Cup. A few players like Anana, Cody might not be there as well, so. Uh, but uh, Rich- uh, well, I nearly said Richarlison, what a boo-boo that would be, I think he went. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, there's a few players out, so well, well, maybe there's a chance of getting a signature result. I've got to say, I think Frank Lampard would be more to worry on than the Sydney Cup. That's a fair point. That's a very fair point. And so, so, so how come you're not in the plane? I thought you'd be selected to go out there. No, make off. Michael, the, uh, the, the outstanding Michael Gannon will be bringing all the coverage for online and for the newspaper so uh, very very much the man in the role looking forward to hearing from Mick in Australia so help me know absolutely brilliant um well as I say Celtics next game is at home to Ross County then there's a complete domestic shutdown until the 17th of December when they go to Pataudry um but I'm sure guys between now and the end of the Sydney Super Cup we'll get together for another record Celtic podcast um Guys, it's always a pleasure. Thanks very much for joining me. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, and as I say, everyone listening, you can find us at record underscore sport on Twitter and at daily record underscore sport on Instagram. Cheers. Cheers.